But at the end, I think I just had this like such a strong gut feeling. No, I have to go. This is what I need to do. Welcome to the Guided Podcast. I'm your hostess, Susan DeVrient. I'm a self-love coach who coaches women to listen, trust, and follow their hearts to their dreams and their desires so that they can lead a life on purpose. Guided is a collection of interviews of such women, women who stepped into their own intuition and knowing to follow their hearts so that they could be guided to their dreams. Today's guest on Guided is Maggie Gile. She is an award-winning business marketing strategist and a certified coach, helping fiercely driven business owners scale and grow with ease so they can do more of what they love. She is also the founder of Bosses in Europe, an online community for entrepreneurs in Europe to connect and collaborate and host international live events. Maggie was born in Prague, grew up in the U.S. and Singapore, and now lives in Amsterdam with her husband and her Aussie doodle pup, Frodo. Well, welcome, Maggie, to the Guided Podcast. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Great. Well, I'm happy to have you here. So just to get the audience to know who you are and where you're from, can you give us a little background where you're from, how you got to the Netherlands? So I'm a business and marketing strategist and a certified coach. Um, I help um, small entrepreneurs and business owners scale and grow with ease and joy. And I am based in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. And uh, how I got here is a bit of a longer story. Um, I was born in Prague in the Czech Republic. Uh, we left when I was three years old. Um, so everyone's like, oh, do you know that like, was a great pub to go to? And Prague? I have no idea. I've never lived there. And I was three. I was three. <laughs> Um, we moved to the U.S., um, Salt Lake City, Chicago, and then Palo Alto, and then um, we moved to Singapore. We ended up, we went there for a three-year project, which turned to 13 years. I was going through, I went through the local school system, and, you know, I am white and blonde and pretty pale, and I was in a high school of 2,000 Asians. It was really hard to hide from teachers when I owed them homework, which I, that happened a lot. I was not a great student. Um, I was actually diagnosed with ADD when I was 22, so okay. I had a lot of questions of forgetfulness and scatterbrainness and mm. concentration. Yeah. Uh, but that's a whole other kind well, of... Well, it's important, but yeah. So you actually went local? I'm sorry. Yes. Curious yes. that. Like, oh my gosh. So did you learn, what is the language there, Mandarin? Um, English. Oh, was English is the main, main language. Um, it's very multicultural. You have a big, um, about 70% of the population is um, Chinese, um, but you know, it's like sixth generation now or something like that. Uh, then you have a big population of uh, Malay and Indian, uh, I think 1%, you know, other. Um, but the main language in school is English. I did have to learn a second language, but because I came there quite later, I was already nine, I ended up taking German uh, in high school, which I absolutely hated and just... It's a hard language. I took it, it was semester. Uh, it was it was hard, and um, I barely passed my final exam, and I was so happy that I never have to learn German again. And then a couple of years later, I ended up living in Germany for four years. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
So I was going through this local school system um, at university. I was doing like 80, 90, 100 hours a week. Basically, you get up, you, you know, you study all day and you sleep six hours and the cycle repeats. I had one story. I was just telling someone last week that um, it was the first year that F1 came to Singapore and my university was right in the center. And it was one in the morning and you were working. It was like our first term of uni and you were working on like a business law project. And we could hear the F1 cars practicing. Oh, God. And we couldn't, I couldn't go watch them because we were stuck doing so that Formula project. One, right? Formula yeah. One, yeah. Yeah, okay, just for everybody. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was brutal. Oh um, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, it's, it's it, yeah, it was crazy. Um, and I, it just got to a point where I start feeling very like claustrophobic. Um, Singapore is a great place to live. Like I miss the food so much. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great place as a travel hub. Like we were going to Malaysia every weekend, pretty much at one point, snorkeling and beaches and whitewater kayaking. Um, but it's, it's like a little golden bubble. Yeah. A tiny little Island. And when you're at that age, a teenager, a young adult, you want to explore. And that's where I really felt like more and more drawn to, I need something else I need to get out. What didn't help was again, I had grown up there, I lived there for 13 years, went through the local school system and lit a couple times a week at university, people were like asking me if I was an exchange student. Oh gosh. Yeah. And that gets, you know, kind of annoying after a while. Um, so when my parents were getting a divorce, um, I started looking, I, you know, things were changing. So I actually started looking, where can I go? <laughs> Who will take me? <laughs> yeah. And I was looking at Europe. I really wanted to go back to Europe. UK was pretty expensive. I did not want to go back to the Czech Republic. My dad was at the, that point moving to Germany for his new job. And that would mean I would have to spend a year learning German to be able to take, you know, finish my bachelor's in German, which, you know, was not really my favorite option. Someone mentioned the Netherlands. One of my friends at the time, um, I think her parents met in Rotterdam or something, and she said, check out the Netherlands. They speak English. It's cheaper than the UK. I was like, okay, cool. I, I, I knew nothing about the Netherlands. I did not know about the tulips. I did not know about the canals of Amsterdam. Oh. I, had no, I knew about windmills on the Red Light District. Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and you wouldn't choose, I hope. I don't know. I don't even, I don't, I really, to be oh. the Netherlands, I had just, you know, I grew up in, in Southeast Asia. I can tell you about Vietnam and Laos and Cambodia, just about Europe. I didn't know anything. Um, and I ended up writing an email to every single university in the Netherlands that had an English speaking business related program. Okay. I'm Maggie. Here's my story. Please take me. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> um, they all said no. <laughs> um, because I was also applying to transfer and to start in February, which is like in the middle. So everyone basically said, wait till September. Yeah. Um, and in Amsterdam said, eh, sure, come on over, see in February. Okay. It was an, actually a really quick process. We had a phone call um, with the head of like an international student department or something. Two months later, I had a one-way ticket. I had, you know, crying hysterically at, at the airport, leaving behind my boyfriend at the time, like all my friends, everything I knew. And my mom, my sister, and I had like one-way tickets to come to Amsterdam together. Well, she came with you. Yeah, because my parents were getting divorced that time. And I said, like, you know, there's no, she hadn't been to Czech Republic for 20 years. There wasn't really much left for her in Singapore. So I said, like, and she's an, my mom is an executive assistant. So that's a, she had a really great resume with a lot of big international companies. And, you know, as you know, 
in the yeah. Netherlands, there's quite a few international companies where the working language is English. Yeah, exactly. So we came together. So it was your sister and you and, and your mom. mom? Mm -hmm. Okay, sorry. There's rain going on here in Utah. <laughs> There's a window. I'm like, I can't hear. It's like a huge storm. Anyway, um, so all three of you got on the plane, which yep. okay, so you had some family with you. But, whoa, like I can feel like people are like, you left everything that you knew, friends and a boyfriend. Yeah. That's how big this was. I probably cried for like two or three months straight before we met we're like making that decision yeah and i remember i had these like terrible terrible stomach cramps which i think were from stress or something but i think for a good two three months i just kept crying and i kept having these horrible cramps until i was like you know what i know this because i was really like can i stay here can i have a kind of roommate can i like i want to you know be with him and da -da -da. Right. this is really this is like am i making the worst mistake of my life especially when you're 21 and it's like a four-year-long relationship that's your yeah, that's what you know. Funny. But at the end, I think I just had this, like, such a strong gut feeling. No, I have to go. This is what I need to do. Wow. I mean. I had a transfer to university. My mom, my mom did not have a job. She came a bit early to find us an apartment. But it was really just a crazy move after 13 years. And for her, a marriage. And we moved to Amsterdam. Yeah, so what was that like? Because, I mean, your story is encompassing a couple of new elements here, I just want to point out. Number one, you had an existing relationship with somebody. And that enough would be hard. Um, and then your parents are going through this divorce. So, that, like, all of your – you have some things that are stable and some things that, you know, your foundation was cracking – if you see your parents being together as a foundational thing, I don't want to assume that things. was a good thing. Actually, no, that was that was yeah a good thing. I'm actually getting really emotional now okay. <laughs> um, thinking about this because it was such a hard time. Like it, we, I knew in my, I, I just knew that it was the right thing to do for me for my growth for what I needed. But making that decision, and then I was long distance with this boyfriend for six months, and um. Well, one funny anecdote is that um, it was like we moved in January. And I think January 15th or something, we were in our bikinis by the swimming pool in Singapore in the sunshine. And then less than a week later, shivering in our like terrible, <laughs> insufficient winter coasts. Yes. At the bus stop in the snow in Amsterdam. Well, there was even snow. Wow. It was snow. <laughs> it, was like, it was the worst winter in like 10 years or something, which is great for us. What year did you move? curious 2010 okay yep i moved mm -hmm. in 2009 and i'm from michigan so i'm used to the snow yeah so i just figured the netherlands did too and the first year i moved here i mean people were riding their bikes on ice but also what i want to point out is that it wasn't just you you were also helping your sister and your mom find a new life there yeah like, that's the difference in your story that i'm you know noticing so did you feel that pressure there too? Or was everybody Oh, um, I was twenty, like no, I did not feel the pressure. You didn't feel that pressure? You're just yeah. like whatever. You guys whatever. did for yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> no, my sister like we found um a, an international school for her for that she went to for about half a year before we realized that we can't afford to keep paying for it. So she ended up transferring, she did like a year integration program. And like now she just and I'm so proud of her, like seriously. She's uh, five years younger than me. She's fluent in Dutch with like this amazing beautiful accents as well um 
she just finished her master's in finance at the top university in the Netherlands. And before she even finished, she already found a, a job, like a very, very good job, like her dream job. Congratulations. Ridiculous. Yeah. Especially like looking at that first year where you go from, I had the same thing. So this is where that's the year I got diagnosed with ADD because I came from such a strict structured culture of Singapore where I had 45 minutes to eat lunch and write that essay. If I didn't write that essay now, it just wasn't going to happen because I physically did not have the time. And suddenly, and like you would start, I literally like first day of a new term, I walked into class and it was like economics or something. And the guy next to me asked me, have you already finished reading the textbook? Oh God, that would kill me. That is standard in Singapore. Yeah. That, yeah. Right? Oh, That's not standard in the Netherlands. Like I was, you know, to us, it was standard. I told you, like, we were listening to the Formula One cars racing at one in the morning while working on our stupid business law project. Oh. And, or I would say like, you know, I would, you know, we would be studying like 90 hours a week. And then someone in the Netherlands said, you don't need that. That's impossible. There aren't even 90 hours in a week. Like, well, huh, well, I guess so. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Been there, done that. Um, so culture, it was crazy. And with my first term in the Netherlands, I got really high grades for everything. Wow. My second term, I failed everything. <laughs> Every single subject, I failed it because I wasn't used to self-discipline. I was used to being told, here's what you have to do. You've got 45 minutes to do that one thing. And suddenly I had so much free time and I was still trying to study the old way where I would be sitting above a textbook for eight hours and I had read three pages. I remember this very clearly because that was the day I was like, okay, something is not right. Yeah. Wow. What a huge, because the culture is different and the way that they do their education, you may have never found that out. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, so you got diagnosed and then you got some help with that, I'm assuming. And yeah. So I've never been on, I was on medication. I was on Ritalin or something for like a week before I was like, no, this is just no, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, so it's, it's it also like ADD is a spectrum. Yeah. Um, so mine isn't crazy extreme, but it's, it's more, it was a relief to, to hear that because, um, like I mentioned earlier, before we started recording, I'm currently planning three events at once. And I love that. Yeah. Right. I love being able to work on different projects um, at the same time because, you know, like, or people tell me about early on in my business, they were telling me, oh, you, you know, you have to start batching your work. You have to spend one full day on content creation, one full day on, I don't know, social media. That would, I tried that so many times, but that would kill me because that's too long for my concentration. Yeah. I sometimes wonder if I have a touch of it, actually, because this, I know if I have a few friends and every time they talk to me, I'm like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I need to have variety, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think I think a lot of entrepreneurs do have a touch of ADD oh. or they're at least we're, we're more on the ADD side of the spectrum than on the super concentrated side. Yeah, it's been proven because, that a lot of that people that people with ADD uh, tend to thrive as entrepreneurs because you get to choose your projects. Yeah, I can see that totally. But then there's the other stuff that you have to do that you don't want to do. That's my problem. Like, well, anyway, so there's more to your story that I'd love to highlight here too. Um, so you're here in the Netherlands. You started and finished school, I'm presuming. And then what was next? What you you graduated, and mm -hmm. then what was your next step? Uh, I did a master's, uh, so I've got a master's in marketing strategy that I did here in the Netherlands as well. I graduated my master's um, of science and marketing strategy two yeah. weeks after I graduated in the Netherlands where I had been 
to going for night classes to improve my Dutch. I was really trying to speak Dutch. I had an internship lined up that supposedly had a great chance of turning into a job. I graduated, by the way, like a year after the, the recession started. Okay. Uh, so everyone and their dog was getting a marketing degree. So for every like stupid, terrible marketing assistant job thing on LinkedIn, there were like 300 applications in three days. Yeah. That's when I graduated. And uh, two weeks after I graduated, we moved because of my fiance's job to Frankfurt, Germany, the financial capital of Europe. Yeah. Even worse for marketing graduates than Amsterdam was at the time. And so I spent six months like looking for a job. I didn't get a single interview in six months. And that was very soul crushing because I felt like a special butterfly. Like I speak all these languages. I grew up in Singapore. I have international experience. I've done three internships, which like in Amsterdam to do one internship was already kind of a big deal. Like yeah. a lot of people didn't even have one internship at uni. And I didn't get a single interview in six months, which was wow. crushing to me. Um, and I, I decided to learn how to code websites um, so I could have a hard skill on my resume so I could get a job. Like that was the core reason why I wanted to do this. You're a coder. So thing. Um, eh. Well, hey, more than I can do. So awesome. <laughs> um, uh, that led me to freelancing. You know, like a friend of my dad's found out that I can make websites, so he hired me, and then someone else hired me, and started getting paid to make websites that I think were fairly terrible, but my clients liked them, so great. <laughs> uh, and at a certain point, I spent, I remember this, eight hours trying to fix a broken website, and I found out that I was missing a semicolon. Oh, God. That's a pain in the butt. And that was the day I said, I am done. <laughs> yeah. I do not enjoy this. Yeah, did it again. Okay. No. Do not enjoy this. I remembered I've got a master's of science in marketing strategy, so I thought maybe I could use it. And what I what I realized at that time was my husband actually had been encouraging me, like even before master's, like start your own thing. You should do consulting. You should do like your own thing. And I was just too scared to. I was like, why would anyone Amy listen to me? Um, and at that point, because I had these website clients, I realized I've been helping them with their marketing strategy. Like one of them hit his highest month of the year in revenue the month after we worked together. One of them doubled her new set of subscribers. Like it was, I was getting them results. I love it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so it paid, well, it paid for you to go on your own. Yeah. So for me, I was like, and I honestly, you know, so much respect to coders. It's just, it's just, <laughs> it just wasn't for me. It's something I can't enjoy. I think um, there's so many people who do enjoy that. I just don't. Yeah, I think it would be, well, it's one note, right? And you had already said you need to have a little variety. So yeah. Eight hours just to find. It's out. also very detail oriented, and I'm not that detail oriented. Okay. I'm I'm definitely a big picture. Let's plan things out. Let's map out your strategy, and pull all the puzzle pieces together. And then if you need like a Facebook ad specialist, then I can send you to that person. So you got into it when you were in Germany. You started building a business, helping people really with their bottom lines and email lists and client base or whatever. And um, yeah, where were you in Germany at this time? Frankfurt. Frankfurt. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I know a little bit about that story, but, um, you know, well, what I remember is that you were saying recently Maggie was uh, speaking at an event and she was talking about when she was in Frankfurt where there was no networking mm -hmm. and you had to find your way to build up not just your network, but your business presence. I was obviously impressed by what you did um, and then getting your business going and so that's amazing. But as it was going on, there some some changes started to happen. You want to talk a little more to that? 
Um, yeah. Um, so one of the things um, at that time, especially in Frankfurt, um, there was there was no creative entrepreneurship. Um, I was going to all these meetups. I was really trying, but the only people I could meet were basically these uh, fintech startups with a bunch of government funding, mm-hmm. um, or you know the wives of the bankers, you know the board wives of bankers who were in Frankfurt who were, like dripping with diamonds and Chanel who were kind of thinking about it, but they also didn't have really have. A, motivation to actually start something yeah so they couldn't find people like me who were moving forward who were ambitious who were a bit more creative um so that's where i started with you know facebook groups my business was 100 percent online for probably the first two years okay. um yeah. that was just i didn't have anyone locally so i had to go to, online to facebook uh, to facebook i did a lot of virtual coffees you know i'd lo- I'd love to meet people i'm definitely quite introverted i like being at home in my yoga pants and not pleasing anyone um but once in a while i do like to go to like a small event or to a retreat or meet someone for coffee and chat nerd out about business and strategy and all these things um and that wasn't possible in frankfurt at the time uh so i had to go online so i did a lot of virtual coffees where i just yeah. said hey susan you seem cool we've connected this facebook group shall we go on skype sometime just have a coffee and chat um but also i didn't it goes back to like confidence and self-trust because i did not trust myself I did not trust my knowledge. Like, I have a master's of science in marketing strategy. I've got a background in international business. Like, I know my stuff. Yeah. But I thought, this is the online world. I don't know anything about the online world. Therefore, I'm going to go listen to what everyone else is telling me to do. I was on multiple webinars a week. And as we know, the time difference with the US and Europe, that meant like 10, 11 p.m. I was watching webinars on Pinterest or SEO or whatever. Mm-hmm. Copywriting. Everything. Um, I was... Every single time a coach said, oh, I'm doing free coaching calls, I would sign up, which meant every single coach who I signed up with told me to do something else. So like one person said, oh, you should focus on launch strategy. One person said, you should focus on content strategy. Oh, you should really niche, niche down to an industry. I heard that so much. Um, and I did not want to. <laughs> um, but all this kind of overwhelm and stress and like my marketing wasn't working. Someone who is qualified in marketing to have your marketing not working mm. is incredibly frustrating. So I was getting clients, but mostly through relationships, mostly or referrals. Um, and this entire process led me to a burnout. Uh, mm-hmm. So I talked about that at a conference where Susan was last year, um, shared my story there. But mm-hmm. basically, I ended up in the hospital. I couldn't walk because I was so dizzy. I thought I was dying. Turns out that it was stress. That's such BS. I'm not stressed. Yeah, right. Uh, it was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, and nine months later, uh, well, basically at that point, I realized, okay, can I swear here? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> screw this. <laughs> um, screw this. I'm not in this to be working a hundred hour weeks again. Like I had that in several months. The reason I left, I'm here because I want that freedom and independence and creativity of being a business owner, of being your own boss. Yep. So I gave myself to the end of the year. So things have to change. And I said, okay, what do I know? Like, Screw all the webinars. <laughs> I've seen them all. It's clearly not helped me. What do I know as a fact? And as a fact, for example, what we talked about was, I know I don't have to niche down in demographics because I work online and my work is broad. It's business and marketing strategy. Yep. It's how can you grow? How can you make more money in a way that feels good for you? Right. That is broad. If you're 30 or 40, that doesn't make a difference. And all these like webinars and online gurus are pushing me that I have to have a client avatar that she's, 
I remember my avatar was always Amy and she was 27 and she would do sun salutes and drink Greek tea in the morning. And then I was like, how is this information helpful or relevant to me? How does this help me get clients? This is the part that I love. Like you mentioned, I saw you at um, a women's convention a couple years ago and it was so what you're about to tell us. The niching thing for most entrepreneurs is like, I'm, I just, <laughs> like you said, why does Amy have to be 27 drinking green tea? What, what does that say to me about her? So, which, because I don't feel, I feel the same way. In terms of demographics, to me, just to make sense. But what, what did make sense to me was personality. We, we work online, right? A lot of us, it's, you're no longer tied down to the demographics of your local market. You can do coaching online. You can sell courses. There's a, so much potential. Doesn't mean you have to cut out your local markets. I still do events in Amsterdam, which I love. For me, I looked at, I want people with a certain personality type. And that made me realize, like, I really want people who are ambitious. Right. I want people who are driven. I don't want to be the one trying to push you forward to grow your business. Like, yeah. you need to come to me and say, here's what I want to do. You need to have a certain kind of drive or fierceness about you. Like, I love to explain this. Like, I love people who are a, lot, a little bit stubborn. Okay. <laughs> a little bit stubborn and you've got a strong personality and you know what you want or you know what you want your business to look like. Because although I'm a strategist, like no one is going to be able to make these decisions but you. Right. You know yeah. your business the best. You know your clients the best. My strategy process is collaborative because I can come in with my expertise and professional opinion and experience. But at the end of the day, it's your business. That's very important to say. Like, yeah, you have to have a sense of what you want to do with your business. And, but getting back to something I want to talk about here, what was really illuminating about your speech is I didn't know somebody who had their own business, who worked from home or online or however you want to manage your business, could get burned out. Yeah. You know, like that was huge. And usually for me, what I think of burnout is people working in, in the corporate corporate world who, you know, the corporation cut back 20 jobs and starts loading up your desk. No, it can happen here too. And so take, so you went through your own process that now you use to help other clients. What, so first you started with personality. Who is, what's my personality people or whatever, sorry, I'm not doing great. <laughs> you know, then this is one of the most important things if you work online because people connect with language, right? So like one of my old headlines was, does your business have a digital strategy? And the answer for anyone who sees that headline is, I don't care. Yeah, or no. It's <laughs> like, why, why would I care about strategy? Like, yeah. How does that help me? Eh, sounds expensive, sounds complicated. Eh, I don't care. Yeah. Right? And that's what I was trying to sell on. And this so, assumption that everyone else knew that a strategy was so important, but no one cares. So you have to look at what do your clients actually want. Like my clients, they want more clients. They want to make more money. They want to go on fabulous holidays with their family. They want to take their kids to, you know, Disneyland Orlando and pay in full for two weeks there. That's what they want to do. Yeah. So I just shared my, on my Facebook page a couple of days ago, like I don't want to work on my laptop from the beach. No. I want to lie on the beach and listen to PayPal send me emails. You've got money. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you have to be super clear with the language that you use, literally the words that you use. So I did a ton of these interviews. I started writing down what were my people actually saying. Yeah. We, we get so caught up in our own heads 
mm-hmm. with with perfectionism um that's a big reason why i got into burnout um that we skip this step of like literally listen to what they're saying and yep. say it back to them and so you did the interviews and you heard what they were saying what mm-hmm. they wanted you restructured and how did you by the six month and where where did you see things how were things going then six months um it was i was seeing traction i also started rebranding um it was a long process but i realized that my business brand was very vanilla i was really scared to share opinions um i think i think that was like something from singapore that it's a fairly um conforming conformist yeah basically a lot of people conform in singapore <laughs> They don't um, step outside the box. Yeah. They don't step outside the box. It's like a really bad thing to step outside the box there, especially like with opinions and things like that. Uh, so my my brand and what I shared online, which is the reason why marketing wasn't working, it was very vanilla, very bland and boring. And when I had this like screw this moment, I was like, my dog is named Frodo. <laughs> I've watched all the Harry Potter movies this year. I play video games every night where I'm like slaying dragons and throwing magic and shooting arrows or whatever, the goblins. This does not appear anywhere in my business life. Why not? Yeah. So that was for me a big thing. I was like, my big fear was people are going to think I'm childish because no one else was talking about it. Yeah. And the funny thing is that a couple of months after I rebranded and I, I started talking a lot more about fantasy and Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and all that in my business life, I saw a couple other business owners rebrand as well to more a magic fantasy themed brand. So it's almost that it was, it was a really interesting feeling to see, you could see things shifting in the industry. That's great. I mean, of course, I'm all about self-love and expressing who you truly are. And, and I saw your website and how you were holding a wand with this great dress. And, that stuff appeals to me. I'm not totally into fantasy, but I was a big Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. Yeah. That's like more my, you know, so when you said Slayer strategy, which is her new, um, instead of the digital strategy, now you slay your strategy. It's so perfect, you know, because who doesn't want to be the hero of their own business? Yeah. Right? You should read my new about page. <laughs> <laughs> I talk about, no, on my homepage, new homepage, just a website refresh this week. I talk a lot about the business owner being the hero of the journey. Oh, yeah. And the funny thing is, Susan, that most of my clients are not fans of fantasy. That was the problem. I really thought I'd start attracting all these other like Harry Potter nerds. Of course. And most of my clients are not at, like, they haven't even, you know, blasphemed, but they haven't even seen a movie. Wild. So it didn't, it's not, I can see why <laughs> I'm working it out. <laughs> like it's, you're showing who you are, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to match, you know, like it must be endearing to know this about you to yeah. your clients. Like, oh, that's super cool about you. Yeah. They, they, because I've asked them about this and they've said that they like that I'm passionate about something and it also makes me a lot easier to remember. Yep. I'm no longer another bland strategist. Strategist. I'm like, oh, the, like someone came up to me at an event a couple of weeks ago in Amsterdam and they go and they went, are you that Harry Potter marketing coach? I'm like, eh, close enough. Sure. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take the Harry Potter stuff. Uh, <laughs> well, because Frodo, that's uh, Lord, of the, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And there's even a nice picture where you've got like all your fantasy books. So there's all kinds of layers to it. That's interesting that you say it doesn't attract all these fantasy lovers. So I think it just shows that being who you are doesn't mean you're going to be cutting people out. 
yeah. like alienating people out. Which no, and I, and like if I can't combine fantasy and strategy, like you can combine anything. Yeah. Well, so now this is where you're at, and um, also Maggie has a huge group on Facebook called Bosses in Europe. Like how how big is that now? I didn't look uh, at the numbers. Several thousand. Several thousand. It went just over a thousand. Yeah. Over a thousand. Okay. Um, and that's where I really got to know you was in that community. And first I saw you on stage. Then I saw you in this community, which you're really hands on there. For entrepreneurs, having some plays, it's, it's nurturing, right? So what made you start that for other than the obvious that I just said? But um, It's a network. It just, well, a practical reason is I was starting to get annoyed at having to wait till 3 p.m. my time before I could post something in a Facebook group because almost everyone's American. So yep. I would have to wait. That just got a bit frustrating after a while. And I also think that um, Americans and Europeans overall or Americans and then people who choose to move to Europe. Yeah. Yeah. There's a slightly different mindset there, especially when it comes to business, when it comes to sales. Um, and it's just a little, the vibe is a bit different. Yes, thank you for saying that. And I'm an American living in Europe. Yeah. But, um, anytime I try to implement anything that I've learned, not just from the Americans, which I'm including Canada in there. So there's a lot of big hitters over there. It just doesn't translate over here because I've been here when I built my business. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you are about where you are when you build your business because it's not fully online, my business. But yeah. So I really appreciate you saying that because it's something I've felt, but I don't think anybody's ever really addressed that way. You know, yeah. um, they think everything crosses over just because it's online. And I'm here. It doesn't. Know. It's, you know, even like sales pages. Yeah. If you like, it's, it's different. It's also part of the reason I chose to rebrand um, or refresh my website because when I originally did my website, I followed an American, um, you know, sales pages. I had a sales page for my one, uh, battle plan, which is like my one-off strategy session. I had a sales page for my three-month player strategy, coaching strategy. And then after a while, I was just like, but it's not necessary. Like, here's who I am. Here's my business philosophy. Here's the results I've got on people. Here's how I can help you book a call. Like, I don't need a separate long-form sales page for every single, especially for something like this when it's one-on-one -on -one work. Yeah, it's more about do you want to work with me overall? Yes or no? Here's let's let's hop on a call and see what's the best option for you. Yeah, that's interesting. There's yeah. no need to have these these long form sales pages, uh, you know, at least for me in this industry. Oh, you're speaking my language, man. I'm gonna have to talk to you later, but um, <laughs> yeah, because I get for me, I cannot go through it. I'm like, here's what I want to know, because this is about me being wanting the bottom line. What is it? How much? <laughs> So you saw real results by using the education you had, but also refining it to what you know is true on online markets. It's amazing. Um, I'm Absolutely. really, I'm intrigued by it. Marketing is um, an interesting place and something that all entrepreneurs of any kind have to know something about. Um, yeah, but you know, on the other hand, I was just thinking um, about this podcast about you know intuition and following your heart and instinct, and I realized that so. Before my burnout, I was really trying to follow things with like strategy and logic and all that. And that clearly didn't work very well. And after that, you know, I, I really have struggled with perfectionism. At one point, I had 55 blog posts that were not published because I was too scared to publish them. So it's like, what if they're not good enough? Right. Um, 
And as kind of like I've moved from the burnout and like I started trying more things and experimenting, I've realized like I'm really falling, like I have a strategic framework, yeah? So right. I know who my clients are. I know what they can afford. I know what they want. I know like price-wise. So that's all like aligned the strategic framework. But within that framework, I go, huh, what do I just feel like doing? What do I feel like working on? So yeah. I'm working on like with Bosses in Europe, I just was like, huh, this sounds like a good idea. Let me do that. Let's see if it works. A month later, I had, I was going to be in London for an event and I said, hey, people, bosses in Europe, who wants to hang out with me in London? Let's go have a meetup. We had 22 entrepreneurs turn up for that very first meetup. People flew from Dublin. They came from Cardiff. They came from Nottingham to come to London for this one afternoon, which we didn't just kind of sat around and had coffee and talked for three hours. <laughs> That's quite the commitment. Yeah. It was like, and that I saw, okay, there is a need for us to get together. Not at conferences because like one thing I, you know, so I now run events basically two months later or three months later, I had my first live event, which was in my living room in the Netherlands. Yeah. And I had people come from all over Europe. I had someone fly from New Jersey and I had one client fly from Vancouver Island in Canada to come for this one day event in my living room in the Netherlands. I just saw there is so clearly a need for this, these kinds of small intimate events where it's not about me shoving more information in your face because I can do that in a webinar, yeah. but it's about meeting you where you're at and saying, okay, here's a concept. How can you apply it to your business? So it makes sense and it helps you, you know, make more money, work your hours and basically scale. Right. right? I, wanna, I just want to define scaling. To me, scaling is not necessarily, I want to have a seven figure business or I want to have a giant team or a big office that those are like, none of those things motivate me at all. But it's simply about how can I make more money, more profit with less time and effort? That's right. it. We're just looking at that concept. That's awesome. So um, last year I ran three international live events. So I experimented quite a bit with like two day, one day, one and a half, you know, more co-working, less co-working until I have the format I, I'm doing now. Um, I've also rebranded them. I used to call them mini retreats. Yeah. And now it's called Scale Your Strategy Live. And just that name change you get a different essence from it, right? Like, yeah, it feels different. To, yeah. It feels different. Come to the mini retreat or come to scale the strategy live. Yeah. Because that, I'm, I know what I'm going to get. And, and if I'm, yeah, it totally makes sense. Well, and so using your intuition, thanks for bringing us back around to that. Um, what you're saying is throughout all of this, whether it was moving from Singapore to the Netherlands, all these big, you know, changes, the burnout, um, working through ADD, all of these things showed you to trust yourself, experiment, know what you already know, you know, bring that up into it. And also what you uh, kept saying was things like you're perfectionist, you're fighting yeah. that all the time. So how do you do that? You just jump in and experiment, take a risk. Yeah. I mean, honestly, with a lot of these things, um, if I spend too long, like the website refresh, yeah. it started a year and a half ago. Yeah. And I just started overthinking it and I changed things and I just, I felt it got to a point where it just was never going to be good enough. So I finally, again, I had a screw it moment and just like, okay, we're done. Here's my deadline. I just don't care. It just needs to be out there. I'm just so done. Love it. With the events as well, it got, if I spend too long on a project, I get into this perfectionist mindset. I'm like, and I, I start doubting everything. So a lot of the time it's like, I just have to dive in head first. I have to do things quickly. Yep. If I take too long, I will get in stuck in my own head and things won't move forward. So that's, that's a danger of my own personality that I need to be hyper aware of and kind of 
nip it in the bud before it happens. Yeah. So yeah, that's where like masterminds and mentors and coaches, strategists, business friends come in to keep supporting you as well. What I think is really important here is we heard your story and I mean, you have an amazing business and obviously I'm a big fan. Um, and we'll have all those links here in the podcast for other people to explore. I know you have a big thing coming up in November and it's on the scale your strategies zone. So check it out. I, I highly recommend your, your group to start. Um, and I know you're doing some speaking engagements around at least here in the Netherlands. Maggie, thank you so much for taking time to share your story with my audience and with me. Let you get on with the rest of your day. Thanks again for being here on my podcast. Thanks so much for having me. This has been another episode of The Guided Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Do you have a story where you followed your heart? Would you like to share it? Contact me at the email address inside the show notes, and you can be featured here on Guided. Until the next time, this has been 